0: Welcome to the Founder Haven podcast. I'm Sarah Miller. In my conversations with founders, we learn more about their journey into founderhood and how they navigated the tough stuff. Good morning, Victoria. Good morning. How are you doing? Well, how are you? Good Thanks. Thank you so much for sharing your time and speaking with us and sharing things about herd. Of course, it's a pleasure. Awesome. Um, I thought we could just start with I'd like to just Why don't you tell us a little bit more about what H.E.R.D. is, what you do, things like that.
1: Yeah, of course. Um, So hi, everyone. My name is Victoria, co-founder and CTO of H.E.R.D. H.E.R.D. is a startup and we are focused in helping therapists run their businesses. So things like taxes, accounting and payroll.
0: Awesome. So I I know you a little bit. I don't know you a whole lot, like personally, but I have come to know you, which I'm delighted that I've gotten to know you and your co founders a little bit um, mm-hmm. through Herd, just as your journey has progressed over time. And one thing that I'm aware of is that you have had to pivot a little bit at Heard. And I'm wondering if you could speak a little bit about where you started with Heard and how that has morphed over time.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, and I think those sort of pivots have been instrumental in getting us to where we are today. And a lot of that is also with your help, Sarah. So thank you. Um, but just taking us back to when Herd first started, uh, me and my co founders, we got together or we started Herd, I believe, in October of 2019. And we actually started off as a therapist client matching app. Um, and so the idea there was to allow therapists to pick their clients as opposed to the other way around um, and that was the initiation of herd if you will um, and that was our first product launch um, we had a couple of folks using it we got some good feedback um, but over time we we slowly learned that it wasn't really quite the right problem for us to be solving um, namely because therapists just are um in demand, um, quite honestly. And so finding clients wasn't necessarily their number one pain point. Um, so in February of 2020, um, right about when COVID hit, uh, we realized, okay, this idea is not working. What else can we do? Um, so me and my co-founders, we sort of asked the therapists or the folks that we were working with, um, what do you need from us? And the overwhelming response then was, you know, there's a pandemic now. We have no idea what's going on. We need just a space for us to talk to each other. And so we then pivoted into a community product for therapists. So you can think of it like a Facebook group. Um, so we had a place where therapists can post uh, posts where they can connect with each other. Or they could ask questions we also did a lot of just one-off tasks for them so helping them set up their budget um answering questions about working from home you know how do you set up zoom i think we forget that when the pandemic first started oh my we gosh. all had to transition to working from home yeah. and it's this whole thing um, and so we did that for a couple of months and over that time just learned more specifically what the pain points were for therapists Um, and one theme kept coming up like how do i pay myself how much do i pay myself how much should i set aside from taxes and i think one thing we learned was you know therapists are clinicians uh, but they're also business owners uh, but nobody teaches them about how to be a business owner yeah it's not fun it's not easy right there's so many things you have to learn Um, And we were getting asked a lot to help them with those items. Um, And long story short, uh, that's how we ended up where we are today, um, really helping therapists understand their businesses, helping them with what I like to call the unsexy parts of the business, right? Accounting, taxes, payroll, really, really gnarly subjects that nobody really wants to touch or deal with. and really helping them take ownership of the work that they're doing
0: that's awesome yeah i remember um so i just to be clear so i serve on a product council mm-hmm. for herd um mm-hmm. which just one i'm so struck by it just because i think it, it speaks to the story that you're talking about of how attuned you are to your customer and mm-hmm. how you are really listening to the customer so the product council is made up of you know therapists who um so that you can just access their pick their brains and hear more about like what are the pain points and get feedback as you continue to grow and so i i was really struck when this pivot happened i was like oh that is the less sexy thing but god almighty that is amazingly helpful and useful and i think they're going to do great mm-hmm. because anytime i'm in you know any sort of forum with therapists i hear about I don't know, I don't know anything about my taxes. I don't know how to incorporate. I don't know how to do payroll. I don't know how to, you know, and so I think it's, that's amazing that you were able to continue to be in that space of listening to the to the client, to the customer.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So how, I, I think that's also, there's there's something in that though, Mm -hmm. because I think it's very hard or maybe I should say it's very easy to latch onto the product that you've worked so hard to build Mm -hmm. and very hard to let that go Mm -hmm. so what is it about you and I'll Mm -hmm. just speak about you because you're the one here um because I'm sure it's a it's a group effort I know but what is it about you that allows you to remain open Mm -hmm. and to to say like okay we have to shift Mm -hmm. I need to let this go and I need to move in a different direction what Mm -hmm. has allowed you to do that
1: yeah well i think the honest answer there is it is hard um i think especially as someone who's technical and is building the thing that people are using it can feel like oh gosh all of that wasted work or oh gosh that was something that i spent you know two months on and now we're just tossing it away so there is some feeling of oh man like that sucks um but i think and I'm sure you've heard this common phrase, uh, just fall in love with the problem that you're solving for, not the solution. Yeah. Um, I think one thing that, and the reason why my co-founders and I started HERD was this indebtedness we felt towards therapists. And so just my personal story, um, growing up, I had a lot of folks around me who were suffering from depression, anxiety, Me, myself, I suffered from depression, and it wasn't until I saw my first therapist that I was like, oh, there's someone who can help me with this, you know? There is a name to what I'm feeling. Um, And so I always felt a indebtedness towards this group of folks that I attribute a lot of where I am today to. And so I think for me and my co-founders, Andrew and Faraz at that time, we just fell in love with the problem, which is how do we help the folks that have helped us? Um, How do we help therapists or how do we make therapists lives just a little bit easier day to day? And I think just having that top level goal in mind for us made it easier for us to pivot, right? Because it didn't matter what the solution was as long as we were helping therapists that was okay with us.
0: Excuse me while I wipe a tear. <laughs> because that's amazing. <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah, I can't help. Like it is actually emotional for me to hear that, just because I, you know, I mean, obviously, I'm part of such a group of professionals who really do dedicate themselves to to helping people, and so I think that that really shines through with herd um, from the way you guys get information from therapists, from the way that you've continued to pivot and listen to your customers, it's so clear that you are immensely dedicated to the solution. That's amazing. Thank you. appreciate you, Sarah. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) And also thank you for sharing that you know not only have you been around a lot of people that have struggled with mental health issues but you yourself has have also struggled thank you for sharing that and Mm -hmm. i was i was curious i was you went ahead and shared it but i was curious because as like if even if i just looked at your linkedin profile there is this sort of journey right where i can see i'm like oh it kind of makes sense that you ended up being a co-founder of her like there are some you know some places in your, in your journey where it's like, okay, she is clearly kind of interested in, in mental health. She's interested mm-hmm. in, you know, helping founders get funded, helping companies get funded. Mm-hmm. Um, did you, did you know you wanted to be a founder someday, or was this something that just kind of happened? Tell us a little bit about how that journey played out for you. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Funny question. The answer is no. Um, I was not one of those founders who knew I was going to start a company. Um, growing up in Hong Kong, like startups and tech and coding, wasn't really in the realm of my awareness. Like I had no idea this world exists. It, it was only when I moved to the States for university that I started getting a little bit more exposure, um, and really started learning about startups and tech. funny story, actually, I originally went to university to study neuroscience. Um, And the reason why I wanted to study neuroscience was because in high school, I was surrounded by all of these folks who had, you know, who were suffering from mental health issues, and I wanted to to fix it, which was very naive of me back in the day. um that, <laughs> that was the like original goal or intention um but in university i was getting exposed to software engineering um started learning about the startup space also realized i didn't want to do research for you know five seven ten years um and, and it ended up in tech you know and a lot of that was just Luck and privilege of being in the right school, being in the right place in time, you know, being able to move to San Francisco. Um, and when I moved here is when I started my career in tech, if you will.
0: Okay. And how did you meet your co founders?
1: Yeah. Um, we actually met at a mental health hackathon here in San Francisco. Uh, so I think this was early 2019, uh, but before the pandemic. I think there was a group called Hack Mental Health that would hold these hackathons once every three months or so. And the goal was to bring in, you know, technologists, clinical professionals, you know, folks in the industry, put them in all a room and just brainstorm ways uh, to help the industry. And that's where I met Andrew and Faraz.
0: Okay. And so, okay, so you didn't, you did not, you were not one of these people who was like I was raised around tech. It's in the water. I know all about it. And someday I'll be a founder. I want to found my own company. Mm -hmm. So what was it like for you going from being in tech then to then being a founder? What was that sort of shift like for you?
1: Yeah. Um, uh, I guess career wise, every time I switch roles, I just innately went to a smaller and smaller company. Um, I don't think that was intentional necessarily, but I do. I think I was looking for something and I didn't really know what I was looking for, but it just so happened that it brought me to a smaller company or a smaller startup or a startup that was focused on mental health. And so I feel like it was my subconscious telling me which direction I wanted to go. Um, I guess for me, a lot of my journey in becoming a founder has been very personal. Um, just a lot of questions around, like, can I do this? Um, am I good enough for this? This world isn't built for me, so am, is it okay for me to be in this world? You know, I, So I think a lot of my journey has been coming to terms with those questions, answering those questions for myself even being comfortable calling her at a company or calling myself a founder took a little bit of time. Yeah. And so I would say mostly personal.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So how, how have you navigated those questions? How have you navigated like when those questions come up of, mm-hmm. do I belong here? am I really a founder? What does it mean to be a founder? Is this a company? Can I actually tell people that I'm helping to start a company? What do you do when all of those things were coming up? What did you do? Yeah. The unhealthy
1: version of me would <laughs> like run away from those questions, right? Oh, sure. I was feeling that question. I will just ignore it, bury it, deal with it later. Yeah. Um, the healthy version of me was just talking to my therapist about it, sharing it with my partner, sharing it with folks who were also founders or were one step ahead. Um, I think even just naming what I was feeling took me a while. So it took some time with my therapist to just name what it was that I was feeling. Um, And so I don't know if there was like a specific, if you do this, you'll get to where you need to be, but it was just a long process of one, naming what I was feeling, and two, working with folks to try and change that.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think it's easy to get, I think what you're saying is it's easy easy to think like, okay, someday this switch will just happen Mm -hmm. and I will suddenly completely see myself and feel comfortable in calling myself a founder and that I've started a company and feel free in telling people that. But in reality, it really is this acceptance Meaning emotional acceptance really takes time. Mm-hmm. Right. It's not, I mean, for some people, perhaps it you have a day, right? And then that's what gets posted on social media, right? It's like, I have overcome imposter syndrome.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: you know, but but in reality, it we don't really see that it takes time and it's a process and it's a struggle mm-hmm. to start to see ourselves and imagine ourselves differently. Mm-hmm. And I think it also really speaks to, and I know when I speak to, you know, clients and other women that I've interviewed for this podcast is, you know, there's this, this, this fantasy that we have that when we see women, um, and men in leadership positions, we have this fantasy of, they always knew that they were going to do that. They're completely (laughs) comfortable in that role. They must be completely comfortable in that role because look, they speak with confidence and they sound like they know what they're doing. And the more you speak to, to people in these positions, you realize, no, nah, everybody's just kind of making it. I mean, not to say that people aren't skilled and you know don't bring a lot of talent and skills to the table, but at the end of the day, everybody is also kind of making it up as we go along. Yeah, yeah.
1: A lot of it is like reconciling what you see in others externally yeah. and yeah. what you're feeling inside internally yeah. because there were definitely moments in time to your point where I look at a founder and I'm like, oh gosh, she has her crap together yeah she yes. knows exactly what she's saying she knows where the company is going to be five years from now and reconciling that with me internally and thinking wait i don't know what's happening i have no idea what's going on yeah there must be something wrong with me right yep. and so it's like that is a lot of work to reconcile
0: the two yeah how are you able to keep moving forward when you have these feelings of, I don't know what I'm doing. Mm. I mean, I'm sure technically you know what you're doing. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. But I mean, in terms of just, you know, where the company's headed, where your path is taking you, what do you do when all of that comes up and you're like, I don't know what I'm doing, but I've got to show up and be a
1: leader. Yeah. 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 Um, I think over time, I have gotten used to that feeling. It's almost like exercising, so just like exercising my, I guess, ability to sit with that feeling of not knowing what's coming up next or being worried about what's coming up next. Um, So I think there is some element of getting used to it, Um, but more practically, I think what has helped me personally is just journaling or writing down all of those thoughts. Um, I've also been very disciplined around the habits that do make me happy um, and focusing on that, right? So when feeling a bit of despair or when feeling stressed out, just returning to habits that make me feel better. Um, so that could be you know, going for a walk. Um, sitting in silence is my favorite thing to do. Uh, watering my plants you know all of those small things to make it feel just a little bit easier
0: oh that's awesome i love that just because i know rituals are something that can be immensely powerful for humans in general and the things that you're kind of talking about are, are just kind of very ritualistic watering plants and things like that that's lovely um tell me a little bit about um you mentioned your Mm co-founders so there are three yes there were three of us at the beginning there are two now there are two now can we ask what what was that transition like going Mm -hmm. from three to two
1: yeah um it was very challenging honestly and i think it was probably a little more intense than i had you know thought it would be i think one thing that isn't rarely, isn't often talked about is how emotional uh, the parting of co-founders can be and so to give everybody context here when we started HERD, there were three co-founders so andrew ferraz and myself um, and about a year in Faraz made the decision to leave HERD. Um, and It's just like nothing personal or whatever. It it was for his mental health. Um, And he, I think, wanted to step away. Um, And I think, you know, when you start building a company, you have an idea of what your life may look like as a founder. And most often that is not the case. And so you often hear stories of co-founders, you know, a year or two years in, realizing that it is not the right thing for them to do at that time. And that is totally okay. Uh, so I think logically, I was like, it makes sense. Uh, I support you, you know, I want you to do what's best for you. But I think emotionally, it was very, very hard because a lot of it was like, oh crap, what's gonna happen to the company? Yeah. Um, Oh no, like are we screwed? <laughs> How do <laughs> I tell, you know, people that, you know, someone left the company, if that makes yeah. sense? Absolutely. How do we tell our believers or the customers we were working with? Yeah, yay, okay. I know you took a chance on us, but already something bad is happening. Yeah. And I so I think the hardest part was just dealing with all of those emotional issues while also feeling like I need to support this person in their transition. I need to support my other co-founder in this transition. Yeah. Um, like how do I make sense of all of these things?
0: Yeah. 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 I appreciate you speaking to just how intensely emotional something like that can be. Um, I mean, I know I've worked with some people who have gone through this where you know, co-founders have either left or, you know, for whatever reasons. And mm-hmm. I think the co-founder relationships are often like, I mean, work partners, work husbands, wives, whatever you want to call it, yeah. it's a marriage of sorts, right? Because you are spending so much time together and mm-hmm. you're really united, you know, behind this mission. And when somebody has to shift away. Even when somebody is making a really brave decision to go, I mean, I would have to say that was a really brave decision for him to realize this is not the life for me. Mm-hmm. And I think it takes a lot for someone to be able to admit that. So I'm. I'm guessing that also helped the situation where it wasn't under, you know, difficult circumstances, like between Mm -hmm. the co-founders per se, but it was because he had made a separate choice. And so it was easier to support him, but still, regardless, the emotions run high, like you said, Mm -hmm. worrying about whether it's the customers, whether it's investors, um, you know, all of that, worrying about all of that. What an amazing transition. Yeah. Yeah. Um,
1: yeah would not wish it on anybody but i know it is a common you know scenario for a lot of founders
0: it is and yet i don't think it's talked about that much i don't know that i mean i think it's one of these things kind of like you even mentioned it's like okay well you didn't say it like this but it's almost like can we just like move on from this do we really have to make this big announcement how are people going to perceive this you know that sort of thing um it's i think oftentimes people just try to move on from it yeah
1: yeah and i think also a lot of emotions that get surfaced up could potentially be you know a little bit negative right like there were definitely times earlier on where where i felt anger or where i felt shame or where i felt so frustrated like oh my gosh like why is this happening to me like what did we do to deserve it or feeling Oh, I'm so mad at you. Like, why are you doing this to us? Um, And a lot of that emotion puts, you know, me in a bad light, right? Like, oh, Victoria, you're being selfish, you know, you know, you're being, you know, not understanding, or you are being like, like mean or rude, right? Like, this is someone else's choice, and then you should respect that. So the hard part there too, is like, it's okay to be angry. it's okay to feel guilty or to feel ashamed or to feel frustrated um and like giving myself the permission to feel those things
0: i think that's huge victoria i actually think that's where so many of us all of us not Mm -hmm. just founders but really get stuck in this notion that there must be something wrong because i'm experiencing really difficult emotions Mm -hmm. Right? I'm clearly not handling myself. Well, I'm not handling my emotions. Well, right. Clearly, I don't have my stuff together. Right? Right. Because like, if I just if I can just get rid of these feelings, then clearly, I will be much better off for it. And paradoxically, when we actually allow ourselves to have those emotions, they actually tend we tend to move through them Mm -hmm. in a better way. So I think that's yeah. huge for you to put that out there to say, nope, you're going to have all the feels <laughs> you're going down well, Sarah, so It took me a really long time and a lot
1: of work to get there.
0: <laughs> totally, totally. And it never ends. Mm-hmm. I think that's the other piece of it, right? Mm-hmm. It never ends. It's not like we reach some point of Zen where we suddenly don't have difficult emotions anymore. Right. Right. I mean, I think I've even heard the Dalai Lama talk about like, yep, I still have anger. Like I still, I still have all of these emotions. Right. It's not like, you know, even if, you know, you're the Dalai Lama, you're still going to have, you're still going to have struggles and you're still going to have pain and occasionally suffer. Mm -hmm. Right. It doesn't all magically disappear. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, what's some of the, you mentioned this, this life of a founder and how it is often not what you imagine it, what people imagine it to be. And it turns out to be something really different. I guess I have two questions. It's like, what did you, what, what did you think it would be? <laughs> and what is perhaps some of the more challenging pieces that you didn't anticipate?
1: Yeah. Um, I guess, prior to starting Heard, um, my impression of founders was just who I saw, you know, in the news or on the stage or in the books. And so they had always presented as just like really knowing what they were doing. Like really being able to say, we're going to do A and B and C and D, and therefore we are successful. Um, you know it seemed like to me that a lot of them had experience, a lot of them had an easy time raising money, an easy time hiring, an easy time getting to success. And I'm sure that was because, you know, we only celebrate, I guess, quote unquote, successful founders. Sure, sure. And so that was sort of what I had in mind. A little bit naive, but that's okay. And I think when I started, I soon realized It is not a straightforward path, you know. It is not A B C D in success. It is like this extreme roller coaster um, that you may or may not be on, you know, two months from now. And so I think the difference there between what I naively had thought would be my journey and what it actually was, so vast. um yeah. and people you know now tell me you know like how that is the story of every founder that is every founding story but i'm like i don't know i just like never thought it would be that intense
0: yeah um, and sorry
1: i think you had a second question there as well
0: well maybe what is the greatest challenge in in being a founder now like founder life so yeah. when you say it's that intense what is it that's most intense for you is it time management is it the emotional roller coaster is it figuring out how to get in physical activity is it all the things like or is it like i don't know how to yeah nutritious food in my body all the time like what is yeah. what is kind of some of the biggest yeah challenges for you yeah um i think something that is really challenging
1: for me uh, is the fact that I can't turn it off. So I think, you know, when you are at a job or, you know, when you are just working nine to five or whatever, at the end of the day, you can close your laptop or leave your job and not think about it, right? So on Saturdays, you can close your laptop and not think about it. Um, And unfortunately, that is not something that I have right now. Mm -hmm. And I think that has been pretty challenging for me, yeah. um, because day in day out you can never turn it off, right? Yeah, I can close my laptop, I can go for a walk, but I know at the end of the day, it's on me. Yeah, to think about a lot of these things, and perhaps that should not be the case, or that should not be my framing, but it feels that way. So it's almost like death by a thousand cuts, where you know, yeah. every day, um, just Knowing that I can't turn it off, that that responsibility is on me, yeah. Um, and if it goes well, or if it goes poorly, that is on me.
0: Yeah, it's a different kind of burden. You know, there are certainly lots of stressful jobs out there, no doubt. Lots yeah. of pressure, high-intensity sorts of jobs. Mm-hmm. And also, I do think it is a different sort of stress when it's your company. And you know that people are relying on you or waiting for you to make a decision or waiting for your feedback, you know, that sort of thing that it really does fall on you and you know that if it doesn't come from you then something's not going to happen. Right, or the company will fail. And then it's really easy to I mean you don't have to draw too many dots and say like well then it's my fault right and then that's like an immense sort of it's an immense weight.
1: Yeah. yeah. and I- guessing and I believe most business owners feel this way. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's compounded by the fact that if you do have employees or folks working with for you or with you, you're like, oh gosh, like this person has trusted me to join me in this journey. Mm -hmm. And like I don't want to disappoint them. Like I don't want to mess it up for them. Like they have a family, you know, they have a life they want to live, a life they want to support. Yeah, maybe i can be okay failing for myself but now i have to make sure i don't fail for all of these other people and so i yeah that's it's
0: heavy it's very hard it's very very hard and i also think you know, I I hear this from from women, especially a lot. They're like, I wish I could just let it go. Like, I just want to have thicker skin. I just want to let it roll off and, Mm -hmm. you know, not care and say like, yeah, it's all their choices. They chose to join. And so they're adults. And so they get to make their own choices about their lives and their families and their livelihood. And, you know, and I also say, yeah, and you're also a nice, decent human being. And what would it mean if you didn't care? Mm -hmm. Like, i don't know personality disorder is probably what it was right i mean like unless you're a complete narcissist who you know really just is not really caring about other people around you perhaps right i mean then of course you're going to be emotionally drawn into it it's actually a good sign in some ways that you care and worry about the people that are along for the ride yeah what are some of the greatest fears that you have to navigate
1: yeah um i mean you've
0: spoken about lots of them (laughs) but you're correct yeah there are
1: lots of them um and i think what's been interesting is how those fears have shifted over the journey of herd so i think initially a lot of the fears were um is this going to work like will we be quote unquote successful like will that will people like this and so it was very like practical fears you know like objective fears where you know if i knew i hit x y or z that fear would subside Um, i would say now a lot of my fears were just about me and my ability which makes it harder for me to resolve because it's no longer around. If I achieve this, then, you know, I will feel great. Yeah. Now, a lot of my fears are like, can I do this or can I keep this going? Like, am I a good enough leader to lead us to the next phase? Yeah. Like, am I right making the right decisions for this team, for this business, for this company? even fears like, am I speaking like eloquently enough to fit in this image of what I believe a great leader yeah. can be? Yeah. And so to answer your question, Sarah, there are a lot of them, totally. um, but a lot of it is around just like who I am and if I am capable of taking her to where it needs to be.
0: Yeah it's such a challenging world to navigate and you also mentioned this was back toward the beginning you mentioned something about being in this world that you also felt like was if I'm quoting you really that wasn't built for you is that what? I if I'm can you say a little bit more yeah
1: for sure yeah um I think the like Diversity issue in tech is very well known, and there's a lot of great folks that are doing the research. Um, I think I never thought it would affect me as much as it has. Um, So, the context here is you know, I worked in tech for a couple of years, I've been in rooms where I'm the only female. I thought I had just gotten used to it. Uh, But now, as a founder of Herd, showing up to investor meetings you know where i was the only person of color or the only female you know showing up to this community or that community where again i was like the only one Um, and subconsciously you sort of hear these stories or get the impression that wait like am i supposed to be here or is it okay that i'm here yeah, and I like hate that question. I didn't have to like think about that, right like yeah. um, and something that I do think a lot of thought about is that mm-hmm. and I almost wish that I didn't have to use my headspace to think yeah. about
0: that issue that mental energy, yeah, yeah, to just even have the thoughts of mm-hmm. do I belong? Nobody looks like me in the room. Mm-hmm. Do I belong? I mean, naturally, that's a natural progression of thoughts, you know, to kind of go down that path.
1: Yeah, and to mean being more specific, like I remember when we were first fundraising for a I spent like 20 minutes thinking before every meeting, oh gosh, like, do I look appropriate enough? Should I put on makeup? Yeah. Oh wait, but should I not put on too much makeup? Because then they won't take me seriously. <sighs> Like, if I had a t shirt that was like colorful or, you know, red or pink or purple or whatever, I would think to myself, maybe I should change into a black t shirt because oh I don't gosh. want like my womanness or femaleness or whatever to get in the way yeah. of business. Yeah. Which is wild to me that I thought about that. Right. Yep. Like, that's, yeah so messed up but i just like can't help myself
0: no and i think i'm so glad you're you're talking about this because i think this is so incredibly common i mean because when i hear it from clients and from women that i speak to but i mean i feel it in myself as well it's like every time i show up to have a meeting with somebody it's like lipstick or no lipstick yes. or no lipstick. are they and it, it's not even it's not even even just from you know, for if there's like a lot of men in the room, but from other women as well, it's like, because we're all contending with this, right? It's like, is mm-hmm. it too much makeup? What what sort of judgments are going to be made on me if it's too much makeup or if it's not enough makeup that am I professional? Or am I not professional? What does it mean mm-hmm. to be professional? Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's, it takes up an enormous amount of mental energy. I mean, there I've had so many times where I'm just like, I just, I just, I just want, mark zuckerberg's great t-shirt and jeans and i don't ever want to think about it and it's so great that he doesn't think about it (laughs) it's so great and yet i don't think that women experience the same freedom to not think about it yeah 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 i'm so glad you spoke about that
1: yeah and the added challenge on top of that is nobody is Honest about whether it affects them or not, right? Like if I go to a meeting and let's say someone has some judgment around me because I'm not wearing makeup or I am wearing makeup or I'm you know too far one way or the other, they're not gonna tell me, hey Victoria, we've decided to move to pass on you because you know you are too X, Y, or Z, right? So I think part of the challenge is it's not objective. And so you can't get that feedback or you can't yeah. even know. Yeah. How you're doing, I guess. I don't know. So it, it just becomes something you're cycling over again and again.
0: Well, and the people that are evaluating you are may or may not be even aware of their own biases in either direction. Right. Yeah. And so it's, yeah, it's a problem. So okay, given given all of that, yes. given all of that, what like maybe we can kind of start <laughs> thinking on a more because that's like a very emotionally charged sort of <laughs> topic. Um, yeah. So we certainly don't want to end on that note. So maybe could you share, you know, all of the, all that you've shared the fears, you've shared the emotional struggles, the ups and downs. Yeah. Tell us about the wisdom that you've gained throughout this journey mm-hmm. so far.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't think I have gained much wisdom, uh, Sarah, um, but... (laughs) Um, I've
0: already heard it today, Victoria, but okay, I'm gonna let you come up with it. (laughs) Yes, yes. But I would love to
1: share sort of the joys of what I'm doing too, because I think people don't speak as much about some of the emotional joys that come with starting company, and maybe I'll sprinkle some wisdom in there that sounds lovely i think the most motivating and honestly like the highlights of this whole thing is just seeing people love the things that we're doing for them and like being able to see that like aha moment in our customers or to hear from them like thank you like this has helped me i think that just like Feel so good and like keeps all of us, like me, Andrew, the team, going, and that has brought such joy into my day-to-day life. Um, and I think one wisdom there is: there is so much noise as a founder around what you should be doing. You know, should you be talking to investors? All of this noise around all of these other things that you need to think about or care about. But at the end of the day, the only thing that matters is are you helping the customer? Like, are you helping them solve the thing that you said you were gonna help them with? And everything else will come, right? Um, And I think when that has been true for us and at H.E.R.D., um, that's when things were, you know, I guess going the best if you want yeah yeah so i will leave you with that one piece of wisdom um and also share that it's just been such a rewarding journey too as well and it is hard it is challenging but i am grateful for the privilege to be able to learn all of these things about myself you know to to lead a team and to serve a population that i care immensely about Um, and yes it's hard work but it is hard work that i am grateful to be doing
0: awesome i love that and i'm so glad you brought it back to that because i know we've we've talked a lot about and focused on tough parts which Mm -hmm. i think is important because it's helpful for i think other people to hear that so that we can keep kind of fighting against these fantasies of everybody knows what they're doing and it's you know steps one two and three and then success and things like that Mm -hmm. and also there's a reason why people stay on the emotional roller coaster i mean the roller coaster implies that there are also highs and and Mm -hmm. not just lows and those are the things that if we keep focused on those, the, the really important things that are driving us, our values and, and what matters the most to us is really what brings us meaning and helps keep us going. So thank you for bringing it back to that. Yeah, Victoria, this has been awesome. Thank you so much for your candidness and for for sharing all of your insights. And yes, I do think you brought a lot of wisdom um, even you didn't <laughs> identify it as such. Um, but I really do thank you for, for sharing that with us.
1: It's been a pleasure, Sarah. Thank you so much. Thank you.